What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Sam's Report. It is uh, 3-9, or 9-3, depending on how you read dates, where you are in the world. But it's uh, it's another lovely day here. Although, actually, that's a complete lie. What am I saying? It's a lovely day because it's a Friday. It's not a lovely day because of the weather, which is, once again, cold, which means no golfing. Um, but you know what? Here we are. Uh, kicking off the show with another audio change setup. Actually, I'll just kind of show you guys who are watching the live stream or actually just watching YouTube in general. I found this neat little app and I'm sure other people are very familiar with it, but it's called voice meter. And this is a, a derivative. It's called voice meter banana specifically. And what this allows you to do, as you can see here, is as, as I'm talking is it's a software enabled voice mixer or audio mixer. So the far left one is the mic I'm on now, the, the middle mic that you kind of see popping is uh, the microphone that I use for First Ring Daily. And the audio on the far right is uh, that third panel is, uh, I don't know what I'm doing, this one over here is for incoming audio, such as Skype, um, Microsoft Teams, or whatever else. And then what you do is you can see B2, B2, and this is B1, this is over here, and this is B2. And so all the voice audio goes here. Now, what I don't know is why this little thing doesn't pop over here like it does here, but uh, it's just a neat little app. It's a little complex to set up, but there's some great YouTube videos if you are interested in doing that. It's way overkill for probably most people, but if you have a multi-microphone setup and you never actually want to change your microphones inside of uh, Skype or Teams or whatever and all that stuff, it, it allows you to do that. Basically, I can click on there and enable disable microphones across different apps very simply, uh, which actually led me to another issue with Microsoft Teams. If you ever, if you use Teams, here's a riddle for you. Try to figure out how to change your audio setup without being in a call. Here's the spoiler alert. You can't. I, I learned this the hard way that I was trying to set this up for a very long time and I couldn't. And, um, yeah, then I actually had to be in a call to change all that stuff, but I got to figure it out and uh, kumbaya, life goes on. Bit of an interesting week this week in Microsoft stuff yet. Whoa, I just accidentally struck everything down with the little shake emoji thing. Um, I'm also downloading Sea of Thieves final beta on my computer during a live stream. Great job, Brad. That is probably not a smart move, but you know what? Here we go. Anyways. Uh, interesting kind of week in the world of Microsoft. So uh, last week I was talking about, and I, I wonder if these things are related. Uh, last week I was talking about how I was getting a little nervous that Alexa... Oh, shoot. Stop. Sorry, I'm not sure. Yeah. Anyways, if the Amazon device and Cortana, uh, that integration was still going to happen because I've got one right back here. And I'd love it to be able to talk to my Echo that's well, just off the screen. And um, right now they can't. And I was like, well, we haven't heard anything. I wonder if anything's happening. Then, then this week on the Microsoft podcast, uh, the Insider podcast is that, hey, yeah, actually, we still are working on this thing. It's in self-hosting, which is Microsoft's dog fooding um, operation inside the company. And uh, <laughs> yeah. And so it is still happening, you know, several months late, but it's still moving. So that's good. I'm, I'm actually very pleased at that. And uh, these digital assistants will have a play date eventually. We just don't know exactly when. They always say we're waiting and, and optimizing for the best experience. And I understand that this is difficult. This is the first time I think any of these services have actually ever done this. But um, very cool. It is still coming, which actually kind of slightly fills me with joy. Uh, other things that are happening, I haven't turned off for a specific reason, that this thing back here... Uh, you no longer have to say, oh God, uh, hey, Cortana. You just have to say Cortana to that thing, uh, which is great. I'm happy about that. But it's kind of interesting that that's the only one that works in that scenario. So, you know, fragmentation is the word that always gets tossed around, but no, not, not exactly. But um, you know what? Here we are, and that is now an option. So Microsoft shipped a new build this week, and uh, it's for the skip ahead, skip ahead 
branch, which I know we've talked about a little bit because it's a little confusing. There's there's uh, the fast ring and there's skip ahead, but skip ahead is getting uh, essentially a super version of sets, which allows you to add tabs to stuff. And what they're doing here, it's not quite as good. Stardock has a product called Groupy that I'm actually using right now because my company uses Skype and Teams. Um, I have one group. Well, I don't want to show it because I'll show the chat logs. Um, I have a group, if you will, of that, and it, it's just Skype and Teams uh, on tabs. But so there's a new version or iteration coming with the skip ahead branch called Sets. Microsoft has shown those. It didn't ship in RS4. It, it, based on their language, it's coming in RS5 until they change their minds. But what this does is allows you to add tabs to different applications. Not every application, modern apps, and a few classic apps. But those classic apps now include File Explorer, Notepad, PowerShell, and yes, even Command Prompt. So the cool thing here is that you now finally, finally, 2018 is here, folks, and we are getting tabbed File Explorer. The future is wonderful. Windows 10 is great. But seriously, it, it's now available. I don't know why, I don't know why these things take so long, but um, yep, here we go. Uh, no mention of Cloud Clipper yet. I will uh, take that one to the grave because that is something I really want because I use, who doesn't write mouse click copy on their Windows 10 PC and want it on their phone instantly without having to email it to yourself or whatever your favorite thing to do is. Actually, I usually send myself a Twitter DM to copy and paste stuff. Even things just like direction. It, it's stupid. Um, it's taking this long. I'm waiting on you, Microsoft. Please, please don't let me down because I really, really want this Cloud Clipboard. Uh, other things... Uh, two days ago, Microsoft had their developer days just kind of randomly. Um, and, and something they announced now is called the Windows 10 AI platform. I actually said, Microsoft, do you have a name for this? They said, nope, it's just Windows 10 AI platform. And here's the, here's what it boils down to. Microsoft is trying to help developers make their apps smarter. How do you make your app smarter? Through machine learning and AI. Um, you know, they're popular buzzwords, but whatever. And Microsoft has done a lot of this stuff in Azure and they have a lot of these models already built. And this is really cool stuff. And so what they're doing is making it easier for developers running Windows 10 to be able to interact with that content. Now you're saying, well, Brad, don't you have to always interact with Azure to get that? No, not, not so much anymore. You'll be able to do a lot of it locally. Um, there's not big data streaming requirements. Typically when you think of ML, you have to th take a huge data set, chunk it up into Azure, let it do its goodness, and it brings it back down. They're, they're kind of getting rid of, away from that through these pre-built models. They're now allowing you to send sample data up uh, if you want and try to get more accurate models. And it's it's still very early days. They had this developer day. We're like two days into this, still learning more about it. And I'm gonna be very curious, if you are a developer, uh, please, please, please let me know. I, I wanna know your feedback about this stuff, about how you think that this is going to work, if you think it's a good thing, if you think this is more than marketing jargon, and do you think people are actually gonna use this? Or if they're doing this stuff, why aren't they doing it in Azure? I, I'd be very curious from a developer perspective about what you guys think, because uh, this, this could be a huge thing or this could just be kind of marketing flup. Flup, fluff. My English is top notch today. Speaking of top notch English. So this is a head scratcher quite literally. So if you remember a couple weeks ago, I got a nice little scoop of about what was happening with Windows 10 S. It was becoming S mode, right? And um, that's all accurate. Joe Belfiore tweeted uh, late at night, late at night Eastern time, probably end of day Pacific time, that, okay, he's like, yeah, this S mode stuff is happening. It's happening in 2019. And that made no sense. In 2019, well, we kind of worked backwards and figured he meant fiscal year 2019. But then even that doesn't make a whole lot of sense because fiscal year 2019, technically for Microsoft, kicks off July 1 and 2018 ends uh, June 30th for the fiscal year end. But then it's like, okay, well, there was a lot of 
miscommunication in typical Microsoft there's they announced something kind of just on Twitter which I'm not a big fan of announced it in a blog so what they do they wrote up a blog and it actually kind of contradicted some of the things that Joe said he's actually uh, now saying okay it's actually shipping with 1803 there's going to be this S mode and it's everything we know, right? We Windows 10 S is going away in favor of this S mode. And they have a very bold claim that they believe that um, uh, in that post, it says we expect the majority of customers to enjoy the benefits of Windows 10 in S mode. Really? Like, so let's S mode is Windows 10 S that we know that there's no need to dive into that. But I don't, I don't think that's going to be the, the case. I think they're expecting that people are just going to buy a new machine. It's going to ship with S mode because they're probably going to incentivize um, OEMs to do that, right, for home users and all that good stuff. So they pull it out of the box and they want to install their favorite app and it says, ah, you can't. And once you leave S mode, you're, you're off the island. You've been voted out. You can't get back in. And so I think they will get larger adoption because let's be honest, right now Microsoft knows exactly how many people are using S uh, S mode with Windows t with the Surface laptop, and I'm gonna go with it's pretty dang low, uh, because it, on the other side, if a lot of people were using Windows 10 S just as is, I don't think that they would have made any changes. But you make changes to try to make things better, and by killing Windows 10 S um, in favor of this S mode, does that kind of mean that Windows 10 S is a failure? I, I actually would argue that yes, because in typical Microsoft fashion, they communicated things very poorly and they did it. Windows 10 S felt like it was just kind of like shoved out the door. Like they needed to do something. So they built a laptop and they put it on there and they, they, they launched it and nobody used it. If nobody uses it, in my opinion, that's a failure. So what are they doing? They're adapting it. They're making a mode, which to be completely fair to Microsoft, I think is the right approach. I'm, I have no problem with that. I think that is absolutely the right way to go. But again, their communication about it is weird and it, the way that Joe went about announcing this thing, like this is a big kind of change. And they're just like, ah, oh, we'll just throw it out in a 140 character tweet or 280, whatever the hell he did. And then it kind of scrappily written together blog post a couple hours later. Doesn't, doesn't feel like the, the proper way to introduce this stuff because this is a big deal. This is a big change, isn't it? And Microsoft, I, I'm not opposed to S mode. I don't want to come off as somebody who's like, ah, oh, anti S mode. When I'm looking at all the apps, these now the podcast machine is a little bit different. When I use like my Surface Book 2, which I have right over here, it's charging, otherwise I'd pull it off. Um, I could see myself living in S mode. The only thing I need that is not is Chrome. And could I live with Edge? Yeah, I mean, I, I could live with Edge. If Microsoft had a very distinct reason for living in S mode and benefits of that that were um, tangible, I, I could see myself using just S mode because my primary apps are Newton Mail, uh, Spotify, uh, Todoist, and OneNote and a web browser and, and that's it the, all that stuff is available through the store so good job on microsoft on getting that stuff there but oh i just bashed my computer with money uh but the, the the question becomes what's the tangible benefit is s mode bad no i think it's the right approach but is windows 10 s a failure i think it was i think the, the marketing in traditional microsoft speak was poor um they, they have a communication issue microsoft always i mean seriously guys if this is a, a in my opinion, a relatively large change to Windows. They're, they're trying to lock people into this, not lock, but push people into the store. And you, they just kind of announced it at 8 p.m. Eastern time uh, in a tweet. And then, or in a, in a blog post at 8 p.m. That, that doesn't sound right. That, that's, not, that's not the proper way to go about this stuff, in my personal opinion. And so, um, yeah. It, it's uh, Todd, uh, Todd writes in the chat room, he says, I think Windows users don't want the protected garden of uh, S 
RT was the same way and people hate it. The, the big difference here with S, which everybody knows, is that it's not locked in. Windows RT, the problem was, is that if, one, the store was crap, there was nothing in the store. Microsoft built the OS before the store was mature. Now the store is, I don't want to call it mature, but it's, it's on its way. And you can escape. You can escape the jail if you really want. For somebody like my parents, they could run an S mode, no problem. And they would probably never know the difference, to be honest. Um, I could set them all up with a browser, uh, their email set up, and that's all they need. That's, that's realistically all they need is a browser and that stuff. But, so we, we will see. We will see. And the thing that we're not including here is how does ARM play into all this? Microsoft just kind of threw this out there and we now have S mode on ARM. S mode in ARM might actually be a very optimized way to run Windows 10. I'd actually be very curious to see what the battery life improvements are. It, well, if there are any. Like, if Microsoft came out, like, like, here's a real scenario. If Microsoft came out and said, look, if you run S mode on ARM, you are going to get 10 to 15% better battery life than an Intel counterpart that is running in non S mode. That is absolutely tangible and worth doing. Like that's something I'd be like, ah, oh, shit guys, like this is actually making sense. But if there is no battery benefit um, to running in a, running only in S mode, then it's like, eh, yeah. But I think those are the things that Microsoft really needs to flesh out about and, and show the benefit of S mode. <laughs> This is going to sound bad, but people care about security only when security has failed. They don't think about it actively. And secure, I'm talking for the consumer. There's IT pros out there who are listening are like, oh my God, Brad, don't say it. But it's true though, right? You don't think about security until something has screwed up. And the pitch that Windows 10 S is more secure doesn't really resonate with anybody because they're like, well, there's Defender, there's everything else. Um, I don't need to worry about startup performance. It's a brand new machine. It's got the latest processor. It should run better. People care about security after the fact, uh, once they've been compromised. Like, look, nobody's, this is kind of a touchy subject, I realize, but nobody really cares about privacy either until the privacy has been invaded. Otherwise, you want to be using Facebook, Twitter, and Google and all that stuff. Um, in S mode is not, I would argue that S mode is not proactive security from the end user perspective. It's a restriction. And the restriction comes with no added benefit because security Security to the end user does not come as a perceived benefit. It should just be, it should just happen. I'm smarter than, than the people trying to hack my machine, right? People, I, I, I'm curious how everyone's going to react to me saying that, but I, I fundamentally believe that. So pitching that Windows 10 S is more secure isn't great. But if you go in there and say, look, you run Windows 10 and S mode on an ARM machine, you're going to get 10 to 15% battery battery. Hey, it's more secure and you're going to get better performance. That is a much better pitch than, hey, it's a better thing because it's more secure. But it's like, you know what? I've been running Windows 7 uh, for decades and never got a virus. Why should I care about Windows 10? So I, that's what I'm waiting for Microsoft to come out and say with this S mode is what is the true tangible benefit? Because if the only benefit is perceived security improvements um, with being limited to the store, that's not a good narrative. It's, it's really not. And that's why I think Windows 10 S was a failure so far. Um, and, and that's why I'm kind of optimistic. There's, there's a bigger narrative narrative here. There really is. And I'm waiting for Microsoft to unlock that story that explains why ARM and S mode are the future of windows and not just something that's just kind of there. And so this is, uh, it, it, I keep pushing Microsoft to like, tell me, but they're like, eh, like they don't they don't want to say anything and i don't know why i don't know if it's because there's not like well let's think of it on the other side what if they find out that arm and s mode gives you worse battery life like that would be devastating to that entire product line 
I don't know. Um, until we get our true hands on these things, which should be coming out here soon. I mean, 1803 should be arriving, which was, I believe, the requirement to ship an ARM PC. So we should be we should be seeing this stuff hardware pretty soon. I want to say it was April, which, granted, folks, is roughly three weeks away. So this will be interesting. I, I'm curious on everybody's feedback about this. Uh, a couple other things that there's um, no $50 charge to escape. Windows 10 S. I don't believe anybody ever paid that. Microsoft toyed with that idea for a while, and so they're they're not going to do that. But um, interesting, kind of interesting things to play around here. Uh, <laughs> David Stewart says you're giving Mike you're giving too much credit to what Microsoft is doing. Let's be honest, they don't know what they're doing. Um, I, I, so maybe I am giving them too much credit that there is a true benefit. I, I do think that they know what they're doing. Uh, let me explain kind of why, because Microsoft has some beef with Intel. They won't, they won't talk about it publicly, but the Spectre meltdown stuff, uh, the stuff with Skylake on the original Surface Book, Microsoft doesn't want to live in a world right now where they are playing to Intel's hand. They want Intel to play to Microsoft's hand. They want to force Intel to innovate and be better. But right now they're not because there's no, there's no competition in the consumer space for Intel. There isn't. AMD, yes, has a niche, but they're not, they're not a huge player yet. And maybe their new chips will, but um, what, what I'm waiting for here is that Intel to kind of get pushed into a corner where they have to innovate and be better. Uh, Snapdragon is doing, or Snapdragon, Qualcomm is doing good stuff with the 845, and, and I'm very optimistic that they're going to keep pushing boundaries, that battery life. Um, they've, done, they've done really good stuff. And so we will see. I, I'm, I'm waiting for Microsoft to kind of bring this thing all full circle uh, about what they're doing. Granted, maybe maybe David's right, and they're just kind of just spinning the wheels, just throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks. But I think this arm move to arm was uh, has much bigger intentions on the positive side than anything else. Other, it's not going to be a wasted effort, I believe. So, uh, moving on here, let's see. Uh, Microsoft is making it easier to streamline and move stuff to to Azure. Uh, they announced um, some SQL, a whole bunch of SQL stuff, including, let's see, SQL Database Managed Instance is now available uh, for public preview. Why is this OneNote, like, screwy? Uh, maybe if I do that. Nope. I don't know. I can't get this bar to collapse in OneNote. Uh, let's see. They've got now have Azure Hat. I can't talk. Azure Hybrid Benefit will now support SQL Server. Uh, Azure Data... Database Migration Services, expanding to support database managed instance. And Azure now offers built-in support for Attache, Tomcat, and OpenJDK. If any of that makes sense to you, which it probably does to actually a decent amount. Microsoft is trying to just make it easier to lift and shift your stuff to the cloud. And uh, those are kind of their latest efforts. Uh, something that was announced this morning that Microsoft kind of oddly put under embargo, but not really. Uh, so Microsoft is working on a Surface Hub 2. If you're not familiar with the Surface Hub, it is their 55-inch and 84-inch um, productivity displays. They are expensive, starting around nine grand all the way up to 22,000. And if you're thinking, God, they're probably just going to kill that line. No, they were actually very successful, and I, and I firmly believe that from the information they told me and my own anecdotal evidence of talking to customers that have bought them. But um, I believe over half of the Fortune 100 companies have at least bought one. And so these things are expensive, but the problem here is, is that the productivity or productivity, uh, the on the shelf devices that, you know, you just want to go buy one are becoming a little thin and Microsoft actually, I, I got to give credit to Microsoft here. So these things are expensive and they're bought by enterprise customers and they're usually bought in sizable volume. Uh, Microsoft came forward and said, Hey, look, 
later this year, or in the first half of 2018, we're going to talk about version two. If you're thinking about buying version one, there's limited supply available right now. And that is by design because we're getting ready to announce version two. This is very transparent of them. And I got to give them credit because these, th these things are expensive. I mean, how pissed off would you be if you just bought three uh, $22,000 displays for Microsoft to come out in a couple months and say, hey, look, here comes V2. Uh, you would be a you'd be more than a little annoyed. So what they're doing is saying, hey, look, if you're thinking about buying these things, you should approach your third party uh, reseller and be like, look, I think I'm going to wait for V2. Now, they didn't say the specs or anything else about when they're going to come. But it's not too hard to kind of figure this out. They said the announcement of V2 is going to happen in the first half, which means the device is not coming in the first half. Uh, of 2018 and they didn't announce any of the specs but I think we can be kind of smart here and figure out some of the stuff right now the original service hub I believe does not support Windows Hello or at least it doesn't have it built in so they're going to more than likely add Windows Hello cameras which makes a lot of sense you walk up to the device recognizes who you are and logs you in and removes that friction somebody else walks up logs them in and they can access their information uh, I think that's a very logical move. Also, I think adding Cortana built in natively, the original, the current version does support Cortana in some capacity. I think they will go deeper with Cortana, um, new Intel hardware on the inside. I don't know if they would change the sizes, but you can imagine that there's a bunch of other iterative updates. And they did say that they will be bringing software updates for as much as humanly possible of the new features on V2 back to V1. But obviously they can't change the hardware of v1 and so uh be looking out for the service hub 2 coming sometime in the relative near future uh other things that have happened so the spring creators update it might be the actual name of the update uh shipping here in 1803 and i i, I hate this name guys i gotta be honest i hate the the creator's idea of it why not just call it the spring 18 update and be done with it. I, they're trying so hard to make this creators thing in Windows stick. But let's be honest, people use Windows because they have to, not because it's the best thing in their life. Granted, I don't mind Windows 10. Uh, if you jump back to Windows 7 right now, you'd be like, whoa, missing a lot of good stuff. But just stop calling it that. <laughs> and I don't know why the, the Surface up behind me just got a new email, but this machine didn't. I Surface up, Surface Studio behind me is getting it, but not uh, this one, but whatever. So Spring Creators update might actually, in fact, be the name that is going forward for 1803. Who knows? Uh, hopefully 18 uh, will, uh, three will arrive here. And then um, as I am now downloading uh, the Sea of Thieves final beta is available uh, for PC and Xbox, and you can download that right now if you want to do that. So let's jump into the questions this week. Let me hit refresh. Da, 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 da. Refreshing the page. All right. The Joe Finn asked 14 minutes ago, he says, is Microsoft aware of how feature fragmented so many of their products are? For example, Skype has a UWP version, a desktop version, a web version, an iOS, an Android, and Android Lite, and they all have different features. Similar problems with Outlook, OneDrive, Note, Cortana. Yes, they are. Um, I'm actually, Microsoft messaged me, they're like, hey, do you want to join the Skype beta? And I said, sure. And so, like, if you've never seen the little icon, there's nothing, uh, you can see it over there. You can kind of see that Skype with the little yellow thing in beta. I don't know, I'm in their Skype beta. I can't imagine this is going to end well, just considering my disdain for the platform of being awful, typically. But yeah, they, they do, they're aware of it. Each product technically has its own target, but um, this, is, this is one of the problems why Microsoft just needs to like get behind PWAs and streamline because you can imagine uh, 
how many people it takes just to support Skype. For example, as Joe points out, they have a UWP version, a desktop version, a web version, iOS and Android, and now Android Lite. And that all takes development resources. And so optimize, streamline, I don't know. Yeah, but anyways. Uh, Wolf will ask, he says, are you going to play the Sea of Thieves? Open beta started this weekend, just FYI. Yes, I am. That's why I'm downloading. I'm happy to play with anybody. I have no idea. I know nothing about this game. Uh, let's see. Gatsanov says, do you think at some point we could see a whole web browser implemented as a PWA? I know it sounds a little ridiculous at first, but this would have a similar benefit as any application. I absolutely think that long term, this could be a crazy kind of... Um, awkward, weird future of a PWA being a web browser. That would be interesting. It would be kind of a little inception-based, a PWA browser running PWAs. Um, I, I hope so. I, I, I've said it many times. I'm more optimistic about PWAs than I have been anything in the past about being adopted on wide scale. We're starting to see a little bit of it. Microsoft's doing it. Google's doing it. Apple's going to be doing it. Mozilla's doing it. Um, if you're not doing PWAs, you're not on the cool kid train. And this isn't like blockchain that I think is a bunch of fake crap technology. Um, don't, please don't email me and say blockchain is the greatest thing on the earth. I think blockchain is a huge buzzword um, that has limited scale uh, feasibility. But uh, I think PWA has a much better implementation. Uh, yes, I know blockchain in the financial sector could be a big thing. Could be. But um, we've yet to kind of see that materialize. Everyone's throwing that they're going to blockchain the blockchains. Um, blockchains, but for avocados. I don't know. So, uh, Tourniquet says, do you think it's possible that Microsoft might turn back to Android emulation for its future mobile play after all? Absolutely not. Uh, PWA, that is where they're going. Um, there, there's some legal stuff with that Android emulation. Number two, if they actually do do that, that, again, fragments what developers should be building on Windows. So I don't see them uh, doing that. And then he says, uh, Windows subsystem for Linux seems to be a good thing on desktop. Why don't they use the same system for Android? The tech is there. Again, they want to push PWAs. That's going to be their app development narrative going forward. Yes, UWPs will still be a part of it, but I don't think that's going to be their primary focus. Build a, build a PWA if it fits your model, because that's the best bang for the buck at this time. So there you go. Uh, Peter K says, when can we expect... Can we expect a Surface Pro 6 this year? That is an interesting question. And the reason why I'm thinking we're not going to see it anytime soon is because this guy, this Surface uh, Pro with LTE, I think I can... This is the LTE model. I don't think I showed this last time. If I could open this thing. You can kind of see it there. See this right oh, there? That that's the SIM slot, and then that's the micro SD. Um, I don't. I, I would be. I don't think so because this thing just shipped. I mean, if they're if they're going to have a Surface Pro six, why would they've just launched the LTE variant? I'm thinking that they're we're not going to see one for a little bit. So the only the only thing I could think they could add to that maybe enhance the screen size a little bit, and maybe put a quad core processor in there. Um, but they could do that quietly as well to say, hey, look, here's here's the I don't know. I don't think we're going to see a major revamp of the Surface Pro anytime in the near future. Maybe a spec upgrade at this point. So, uh, Bart says, is Microsoft dropping support for Outlook on the web on iOS and Android apps because of Cortana integration, PWA replacement? What is your take on this, especially as the native Outlook apps aren't fully featured? So, I think Cortana integration is part of it. I, I think that has to be uh, part of it. And then, secretly, 
secretly in the back of my mind, I really hope that Microsoft is just building a kick-ass Outlook PWA that is going to replace Mail on Windows 10 and the Mail app on the phone and be done with it. That is what I hope. I don't know if they're going there, but it could also be part of what Joe pointed out earlier, where they have so many different iterations of the same thing that they need to streamline their development priorities and make it make it work better. So it could, could be a little bit of everything, to be honest. Uh, let's see, HRLNGRV says, lots of articles here and elsewhere about Windows 10S. Has Microsoft divulged any financial info about the Microsoft st about how the Microsoft Store is done? No, they have not. They are terrible at breaking things out. Um, any inkling what Microsoft would expect the rate of conversion from S mode to non S mode. So we, we don't know. We, we don't have good information. Microsoft's not sharing it and they're not sharing it. My guess is because it's not good. If Microsoft had like really solid evidence that said, Hey, 99% of surface laptop buyers are still running windows 10 S they would, they would have told us that they realistically, they would have told us that, but they, they didn't. So we don't really know what. They, they don't break this stuff up. They don't even break out surface sales. They're never going to go down the Windows 10 path. And then let's see what we got. Gatsunov says, last year, Intel announced that in 2018, Thunderbolt 3 would become free of charge for others to implement. I don't recall them giving a specific date, though. With the new Ryzen mobile parts and AMD, I expected competitively priced high-class devices, e.g. Spectre. Uh, Spectre Lime with these parts. Do you know when, if Intel will come through with their intention? Um... Maybe AMD has potentially shifted their views. I suspect not being able to use Thunderbolt 3 on this class of device might be holding up manufacturers. I don't have a lot of insight into this, uh, unfortunately. All I know is that I really want Thunderbolt 3 on everything um, because it is a kick-ass specification. I really want it on the Surface line so that I can properly run two 4K monitors off my Surface Book. It's kind of embarrassing that a $3,200 Surface Book with a GTX 1060 in it that is capable of supporting two 4K displays can't uh, on this device. And so actually, I believe so much in Thunderbolt 3 that my desktop that I just built has one Thunderbolt 3 port. Um, I could potentially expand it up to two, I think, with another card, but I at least have one. I don't know. I I'm waiting to see more use of Thunderbolt 3 USB-C conversion, but I think that is a very powerful port to the future. And I'm optimistic that that, uh, I mean, think, look at what Apple did. Apple went all in, so it's definitely going to go somewhere. And then Adam Corbelli writes, he says, what do you think about how Microsoft presents itself? I watched a little bit of the Insider webcast. It was just weird, the Ninja Cat thing, the stupid hustle as a service. Come on. It was never cute or funny. Uh, so, yeah, this is this is interesting. So there's, there's two things inside of Microsoft. You have this massive corporate enterprise, right, that's running Azure and SQL Server and uh, Windows Server and Office. And then you kind of want to have this like fun, cool developer vibe. And we want people to come work with us who are like gnarly and have tattoos all over and uh, go surfing on the weekend. And so they have this cultural kind of dichotomy here where they need to be professional, but at the same time, they don't want to come off as stuffy. And I personally find it a bit cringy. It's like, guys, I don't give a shit. Just make stuff that doesn't crash, make Skype that gives me all my messages in order and um you know ship your products on time I, I don't really care if you go surfing on the weekend or how many tattoos you have I, I don't think you should be restrictive but if some guy wants to come to work every day in a suit and tie and code all his heart out let him who cares don't make him feel ostracized there's like they have that kind of west coast mentality i don't mean this in a negative way like san francisco has a very kind of like hippie liberal vibe which is fine that's san francisco and microsoft has a little bit of that but they also have this little bit of a culture clash where they also have this like properness to them that drinks coffee and quite literally that whole area builds airliners 
and I don't know. I personally don't like it. I would just rather just kind of clean cut, simple presentations, not trying to show your culture on a developer webcast to think that you guys are still cool. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's awkward. It, it always will be awkward. Um, but you know what? As long as the company survives, I'm happy and let them do their own thing. But me personally, I'm not, um, I'm not Ninja Cat is whatever. I'm whatever. That's just me. I don't know. Someone's going to get offended by what I just said. I absolutely guarantee it. So, um, if you want to look at good presenter, I think Terry Meyerson does a great job um, presenting the company. He's gotten much better in these days where he just comes out and he's casual wear, but he talks about really detailed and intricate stuff without getting all crazy on us. And so there you go. Yeah. Uh, that kind of wraps it up for today, guys. There's a lot going on. Um, I think things are going to start building up. We got a couple, so we got about two months until build, give or take. And I'm hoping not to get on a plane between now and then, unless it's too, um, <laughs> unless it's too like some sort of Redstone 5 Andromeda event, which kind of brings up the, the idea of when are they going to talk about Redstone 5? They never talked about Redstone 4. I would have to think that build would be a, an interesting place to do this, but um, can they wait that long? I don't know. Uh, we will find out. But uh, that wraps it up for today, guys. Thanks for tuning in. As always, very much appreciate the comments and questions and hanging out in the chat room. And we'll catch you right back here next Friday on the Sam's Report.